the Whole Healing Podcast. Healing through nutrition by connecting your mind, body, and food. We, uh, yes, I was one of her students and we did research together on ashwagandha. Oh, very cool. Yeah, she got we got to write up with her. She wrote up with us in the car. So we had a long conversation, which was really nice on the way up. And then even more when we got up there. So that's yeah. where we went. we went to her house for lunch and had, and had a discussion. So it's a very, very nice. Yeah, interesting, different perspectives, different viewpoints, kind of a mm-hmm. experience. She was cool. Yeah. Her um her yard is like all like natural, like medicinal herbs, motherwort and like I can't even remember the names of some of them, but it was like amazing to hear like what they could do to like help people like with like arthritis and cartilage, like <laughs> joint tissue repair. Like I was like, there's nothing in medicine that does that in Western medicine. So yeah, I mean it. I, as you know, Mitch, I mean, it, so much of the pharmaceuticals that we have are derived from all these compounds and all these plants and herbs. And yeah, so I, I mean, I, I'm a big believer. And I think if you can have the the whole form in its real natural plant-like state, it's probably safer. I mean, I, uh, in, in many cases, but maybe even more effective. Yeah, I think I've it seen- depends. Yes, some studies I've seen said as many as 30 to 50% of our medicines, pharmaceuticals come from plants, and uh, I think could even be more. And what I'm seeing online is interesting. A lot of physicians are starting to get away from traditional pharmaceuticals, starting to look more at supplements and plant-based medicines because they realize that they're uh, effective, safer, and effective, and that some of the pharmaceutical companies' capture of the medical field is not going so well, you know, that, that we need to look at alternatives. So there's a there's a movement away from traditional pharmaceuticals into more natural products, which is really nice to see. I, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm sure there's, there's still quite a division maybe with some old school thought. And if it's not taught in your traditional medical school, then they're not going to practice it or yeah. Um, so I, I could, I could see that. And I'm, and of course with the, the whole financial side of things too. And I, I don't, I'm, I don't really know a whole lot there, but I know there's a lot of incentives and I, or I can't even doctors get some, some money back if they prescribe certain amount of drugs or. Actually, the way that works, Jack, is doctors are not legally allowed to get kickbacks, typically, okay. but hospitals can. Like during COVID, hospitals got lots of extra money and made hundreds of millions of dollars for using certain medicines. Yeah. Uh, but what does happen is that the pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical industry pays what are called user fees to the FDA. Um, and uh, when they apply for new medication approvals or use medicine. So now the FDA's budget is 40 to 50% dependent on pharmaceutical industry money, which has really changed things. And also scientists at the NIH and other government agencies um, can get kickbacks if they produce a new medicine, let's say, and it's shared with pharmaceutical companies. And the pharmaceutical companies can pay them up to $150,000 per year in forever. Even after the scientist dies, their family still gets the money. So there's all this... Mm. sort of corruption going on now in terms of pushing pharmaceuticals through that aren't necessarily safe or effective, but their people are getting rich off of them. So doctors are starting to learn about this and it's really turning off a lot of doctors to the whole pharmaceutical industry because and not all pharmaceutical companies do this. They're not all crooked, but there are some that are, uh, let's just say they're uh, influenced by big bucks and some government agencies are too. So a lot of doctors now they're recognizing this, they're starting to look at, let's look at more natural treatments, including supplements, uh, medical foods. And I think it's really shifting the medical field, but you're right. It's very polarized in medicine. There's some doctors that say 
that's nonsense. They, these supplements don't work at all. These foods don't work. And there's some that are looking at the research and saying, but wait a minute, there's all this research out there saying that supplements, medicinal foods help a lot and we should be looking more at them. And unfortunately, still to this day, most medical schools give zero hours of training in nutrition. So doctors <laughs> have to study this on their own. There's no, it's not part of their education. Coming after it's, me, so this will give them more fodder. <laughs> no, it's very, very valuable. Very valuable. Do you, um, where do I want to go with this? Oh, well, first off, Jenna, do we, do we want to continue this conversation with, sure, why not? with our agenda? Uh, okay. I, I just, uh, I think you have to be extremely critical and picky also with herbs and how they're sourced and where you get them. And I think probably a lot of stuff that you can find on your typical shelf at you know, a, a grocery store may not be as pure or, or effective, right. As if you were to get it from a high, highly uh, reputable company. And, uh, and so I, I think you have to be a really critical consumer right, of information and, and of, especially when it comes to herbal medicine and there, yeah, there's probably a lot out there that claims many things that are, you know, that are out of their line, I, I would say, but in your opinion Mitch what uh I guess what herbs you know do you think are truly effective um at or maybe even equal to a certain pharmaceutical drug at treating a specific condition are there any that come to mind well it depends on what we're treating too Jack yeah. and the problem that I have as a physician since we get no training in this you know we read these studies that say certain herbs will work for certain things for example um, there's a Substack article that I can send everybody with a link to all kinds of herbs that work for COVID and other viral infections. But as you said, we're not trained to say, well, which manufacturing mm -hmm. products are the best? Are you getting legitimate, helpful products? Or is this just a knockoff that somebody's trying to get rich off of? So that's mm -hmm. where I think as physicians, we need to turn to you guys, nutritionists, and train people who understand how to select you know, good products and, and use them for our patients. Some More and more doctors are starting to, to manufacture their herbs have the, supply their own uh, supplements, which uh, worries me a little bit because I think there's a potential for bias there that they're going to select the ones they're selling over other ones. But uh, hopefully mm -hmm. they're doing their research and finding good products. But, you know, it really depends again on what we're treating. You know, there are yeah. studies in, med in psychiatry, for example, saying that things like uh, NAC, which is, um, you know, a modified amino acid can work really well for obsessive compulsive disorder, for example, um, in some cases, as well as medications. But uh, again, what manufacturer do you go to? Um, mm -hmm. John's wort and is used more in Germany than traditional antidepressants because they find it to be more effective for depression than our SSRIs and SNRIs. But uh, again, when they use the same St. John's wort in the U.S., they don't have as good results as they do in Germany. Why is that? We just don't know yet. Um, mm. But we're starting to look a lot more, for example, at um, even the psychedelics. We talked about this before, but things like psilocybin or even ketamine, which is a natural product. Um, and looking at them as being much more efficacious than some of our traditional pharmaceuticals. So I think in the medical field, this is just, we're just starting to open up to the possibilities of using more supplements, more herbal uh, medicines. And I think we need to do head-to-head -head trials and they're just not being done yet because there's no money to be made for the pharmaceutical companies in doing these trials. In fact, there's a, a big reason to suppress those studies because it costs them billions of dollars in profits. Mm -hmm. They find out that natural products are as effective as theirs. And there's a wonderful book out, um, not that you need to read more, but called um, The Truth About the Drug Companies by a doctor at Harvard named Marsha Angel. 
she used to be the director of the uh, or the editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and she wrote a book. I think it's probably ten years or so ago that talks about how the pharmaceutical companies have pretty much taken over medicine. They determine what studies get funded, what studies get mm -hmm. published, what studies get suppressed. And she said, uh, you know, you really it's hard in medicine these days to trust the studies because there's so much corruption that's um, being controlled by the pharmaceutical companies. And she's not alone. Other doctors are saying the same thing. She's just one of the most um, prestigious and well-known who's actually written a book and gives references. And she's been in that industry for years and understands what's happening. Sad. It's, re it's really sad because we want to we want to trust all the literature that we see. Uh, and yeah, I think the reality is not all studies are created equal. You really have to get into the nitty gritty with the methods and and truly see what what they're doing, how they're doing it. But then, yeah, you don't even know all about all the unpublished material that's out there that couldn't even get through because of the things that you're saying and, and the biases there and then maybe not producing favorable results, right? So it won't get published in certain journals. Uh, I, I hear you. Uh, yeah, good example. I guess, yeah. Mm -hmm. A good example of that, Jack, is there was a study done by a cardiologist who was at Harvard about using nigella sativa or black human for COVID during the pandemic showed dramatic results in severely ill patients, reduced mortality 75%. He could not get his study published in 10 different journals. And then after the pandemic was finally over, he got it published in a journal, a very a kind of a uh, lower um, lower journal, if you will, that has less uh, readership. But it took him forever to get it published because they, they wouldn't publish anything about herbal treatments. Now there's an explosion of research of mm -hmm. all kinds of herbal treatments and supplements that are working for COVID now that the pandemic's you know pretty much over. But um, like I said, there are a lot of doctors switching over to more natural treatments because they work and they're safe and they're effective, but it's hard to get those published. And the mainstream journals just won't publish them at all. Unfortunate. It is, but it's also creates an opportunity for us to find ways to help people with all kinds of medical issues. If we're you know aware of what works and we can educate others about what works because there's a an increasing demand for natural products. People are asking for them all the time. They say, I want to get off my pharmaceutical drugs. I want to find something more natural. And that's, I think, where we can step in and help people. I feel like we got just like 17 different ideas for TikTok. Because <laughs> yeah. I think, like, Dad, what we were talking about is like, you know, it, there's a huge explosion on TikTok right now on like herbal treatments for all different kinds of ailments. I had a Emily sent me over a, um, a post from a, a physician who, who was talking about Chardunica or Gymnema. It's a, it's an herb that can help, you know, remove this, the sweet taste from your tongue. And so if you, if you train your tongue to like take a Chardunica tea and then, you know, eat sweets, you can untrain that, that, you know, that gustatory pathway, those dopamine receptors in the mesolimic pathway from receiving dopamine when you have sweetness. Um, and, and it got like 10,000 views and 10,000 views. Like people are really, really paying attention to this stuff. So St. John's where Jack did a, Jack actually did a YouTube um, episode on Moringa. Um, so like, yeah, so like there's so much we can do with herbs. And I think like, you know, that's why I really want to drive this home with ink. Like I want to, I want to have an, an herb program guys for dietitians and like what, you know, what these herbs treat and what, how, you know, how they're prepared and what, you know, how can we, how can we help people with herbs? Cause I think that's, that's our job as nutritionists. Herbs are food, right? Yeah. <laughs> Medicinal, absolutely. Very strong, very potent. So many categories. I think we have to be really informed ourselves too with possible interactions there and pre-existing conditions and risk factors. Because yeah. um, you know they there's some some risk, but if you do it in a responsible way and in an informed way, potential is great. It truly is. And I I think um, 
I'm not mistaken, uh, I saw that, yep, adverse drug reactions from largely from pharmaceuticals is the fourth leading cause of deaths in America, uh, which is really significant, right? So you have that component and that, and, you know, there's many things that could be leading to that, not following what was given, or, you know, what was told of them, uh, how to take a prescription correctly, maybe. Uh, but I think there's much less risk involved with herbs and just more potential, less side effects as well. And you're just having something from the earth that's natural. It's not, it wasn't extracted and created and optimized in a, in a lab. Um, so um, I think we, we would only benefit, all of us, from learning more about herbs. Absolutely. Absolutely.